Veteran Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together, each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. <laughs> Hi everyone, we are here, busy week and happy gardening to everyone. I hope you're keeping safe out there. We've got Jill Flores on the phones this morning, 94841927 and John Glidden is standing by to assist as always. And so you can call through any time from now till 10am and you can email us. You might like to prefer to contact us that way by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Big shout out to the witty and oh so very clever Ellen Simons. Ellen was supported today by Irina Christensen. Thank you, guys. And uh, Ellen would have to be one of the most talented, I would say, presenters on the station when it comes to cleverness and wittiness and uh yeah, he's uh, got a wicked sense of humour, which I, uh, is, it is not wasted on me. I love it. I absolutely love it. And not forgetting our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, just now for his cycling update as well. So there we go. I'm done. How are you, Faye? Uh, good morning, Ray. I'm doing great. It's and we been... had some rain. We did. And uh, may I say, uh, we had 47.4 mils. Now, what? a week ago, if I had done this report, I would have said five mils just about. Something like that, or 11 mils, something very low, 47.4. This time last year in April, it was 40.6. So we had a good splash. Excellent. And sunshine. Oh, aren't the gardens looking amazing? Not bad, not bad. It's um, the perfect gardening weather. This is the perfect Easter opportunity if you can get some down tools time, which I plan on as of from tomorrow. Today is killed. Yesterday was killed, but tomorrow oh, and what Monday. Are you doing, right? Oh, Eddie, everything that I haven't been doing. Where do I start? Go on, just start. Oh start my at word! The front. Oh, well, there's there's trimming to be done, a lot of pruning to be done, a lot of weeding to be done. I'd like to do some feeding. Uh, I want to move things around. There's pots to be shifted. There's baskets to be hung. There's baskets to be planted. Uh, I'll be needing a trip to the nursery to get some more potting mix and making up my own brew. I have so many jobs and so many little projects and I need to get cracking on them. And I think it's the perfect time. Yeah, so that's what I'm going to be doing for the rest of this week. Because we get a few days off with the Curtin Uni. We get the Tuesday off as well. So, yeah, absolutely. I've been hanging out for this. Certainly oh, have. Good, good. And well, so, I'm dealing with the last of my summer gum leaves, raking yeah, them up. I've yeah. just I mowed an area that was about ten meters by two meters, piled wheelbarrow high with leaves. I've just mowed it down to nothing to deal with them, and now I've got another probably eight barrow loads to move off another garden. 
Yeah. And I'll start planting <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, so we've got some nice chats lined up for you today. We are speaking with Lisa Parsmore. Now, she is a horticulturalist and lecturer and landscape designer, and she's from Inspired by Nature. A couple of weeks ago, we did step one, and today we're going into step two of what you need to learn and understand about doing some design in your own garden. Yeah. Easy easy steps that anyone can do. So when yeah. we kicked off, we talked about uh, measuring out the area, looking at the aspect, understanding the soil, picking it up, feeling it, yeah. uh, thinking about what factors would... Uh, impact that area is it mm. sunlight is it sound uh yeah. looking at the borrowed landscape borrowed what have landscape. you got mm. behind your fence mm. and we we only briefly talked about that ray but creating a borrowed landscape is looking at what's beyond your own boundaries what's stopping your boundaries is mm. it an, a, mm. a super six fence yeah if you actually screen that with plants exactly and you can't see the fence Soften but it. you can see the trees behind it looks like your space goes way beyond and that's one of the the big things i I like to cover fences. We don't want to see fences. No, no. Why, yucky, why would yucky you poo. Yeah. create nature <laughs> around you? And you can do that in shrubs, uh, yeah. in trees, and in layers as well. Yeah. So it's just exciting. Yeah, no. So we do look forward to our chat with Lisa at 20 past eight. And at five past nine, we're chatting to another very passionate horticulturalist, Ben Mayo. And today we're talking salvia is one of my absolute favourite subjects. So great show lined up for you. Let's go straight out to the lines. We're in Belga. Pam, good morning. Yes, good morning to you. Um, I'm English and still trying to get used to the different rules that apply to Australian gardening. Oh, good and luck, I, Pam. Yes, I, I planted my daffodil bulbs um, one week and two weeks ago and somebody just told me I should have kept them in the fridge first. Well, that's... Um, that, should well, I dig them up? No, not at all. Just leave them. Um, they they possibly have started growing with the little bit of rain that we had and you would probably do more damage. Bulbs store their energy um, in their bulb and so once they get going, they will continue to grow based on what and what treatment they received last year. So now let them grow. Feed them up when they're dying down. Let all those leaves wither back. And then if you dig them up at that time, you put them in the fridge around March and chill right. them before planting them. Right. Well, I, I dug them up when they flowered last year. I've been stored in a cool place ever since. Okay. Yep, that's great. I let the leaves, I let the leaves die down. They were brown and they've still got the brown leaves on them. But I just wonder whether I should dig them up now and put them back in the fridge. No, but when we talk about care of bulbs, we talk about the best way to manage them. Mm -hmm. And so chilling, daffodils are one bulb that you would chill. Daffodils and hyacinths. Okay. Oh, right. I should remember that. And uh, can I get dahlia bulbs as opposed to seeds out here? You can get tubers and from time to time you will be able to get them through the nursery and hardware stores. They will probably be available seasonally. Mm. You can 
uh, also buy them as plants. Mm. Uh, I know that they're, they've been around lately because yeah. they have been flowering. And through mail order. So we have uh, Tulips with a Difference is a mail order company situated in Western Australia in Boyat Brook. And there are also suppliers over east that will send Cattle, to Western Australia. That you can access like mm. Garden Express, is that one? That's one, yes. Mm. Uh, Diggers Club, there's, yep. quite, there's quite a few, but be warned. Oh, my goodness. Once you start looking through those glossy catalogues, Pam. It's addictive. Is, <laughs> it's a one-way ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a question of space as well. <laughs> anyway, mm. thank you very much for your help. That was all very good. I'm glad I haven't got to dig them all up again. <laughs> no, very good. Oh, and good. and John's just mentioned tulips too. Tulips are a big one that do need to be chilled. Okay. I'll remember that in future. Okay. Thanks, Pam. Bye, Pam. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. It, it must be hard when you come from another country and you've got to learn it all over again. Well, it, it, it doesn't matter if you come from another country. Australia is just such a challenge in itself, uh, even if you've lived here all your life, Ray. Yeah, true. Gardening in but our the, climate. But the practices and principles oh, and timing of things. And, and our soil. And, yeah, everything. That's, oh. that's what I'm meaning. Mm. It would be quite And hard. our English language. Yeah, everything to wrap your head around. <laughs> and our culture. I didn't think we had one, but I'm, I'm told we do, yeah. And our humour. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that people have trouble grasping, getting. Yeah, they don't quite understand us. It's, yeah. it's funny. Children, I think, are a bit the same. They don't, yeah. they don't always understand. Yesterday morning I was offered um, at 20 past five, Nana, would you like a, a cup of tea, coffee or wine? <laughs> At five in the morning. Yes. <laughs> well, there you go. They're learning well, your yeah. tri- your grandkids. Uh, yeah, we just got to work on the time thing. <laughs> five o'clock is wine time. <laughs> but not in the morning. Not at five in the morning, oh, no. Oh, my word. All right, let's head to Dianella. Caroline, good morning. Good morning, ladies. How are you all this morning? Very good. Great gardening weather, isn't it, Caroline? It is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So happy. And my garden's smiling. Yes. Everything's looking happy. My little agapanthus, I didn't know if they were going to survive. It's just standing up. So. Oh, good. Now, hydrangeas, I can't seem to get this right. What what time of year do you put hydrangeas? They said to put it in an autumn or spring, but I, I looked on, I couldn't find any available. Uh, they come into the nurseries around Christmas time. Uh, certainly spring, but yeah, more summer. Uh, they they do like the heat, and they'll flower November, December. At this time of year, they're starting to look a bit manky. Uh, yeah. And and now, if they were in the nursery, they would probably be marking them down to clear them out for a, making way for good good looking stock. At this time of year. Uh, their leaves are starting to brown. Their flower heads have died off. So you could, and a couple of weeks ago, I went out to mine and I cut cut some of the branches back to two fat buds, but I've mm. still left a lot of leaf on them. Now, when it does get very cold, they will drop all their leaves. So that'll be through the winter months. And yeah. at that time, you cut them back to two fat buds yeah. And springtime, start feeding them and they'll come away like you wouldn't believe. And they're a great one to take cuttings of too. 
Oh, and what about growing them from seed? Have you ever tried that? Never have. But no. deads are easy from cutting. So if you've got oh, friends... No, it's just that I've got some vanilla strawberry seeds and I still haven't done anything with them because I don't know what I'm doing. Vanilla strawberry seeds? Yeah, yeah that's, that's a variety. Oh, of, of hydrangea? Hydrangea, yeah. Oh, okay. Or vanilla strawberry and that pink and white flower. Mm. Okay, not now. Um spring times and I think probably later spring they need the heat well unless you go into starting off with a heat bed but I would say later in spring when it's okay. warmed up yep d did you get any instructions with them no oh okay no, just the seeds yeah <laughs> I don't even know if they're going to germinate but I will give it its best chance and I'll do it in the spring when it starts how, to warm up how big are the seeds Caroline a tiny. Ooh. Okay, give us a call back then and we'll talk you through it. Okay, lovely. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Good Bye. on you, Caroline. Cheers for that. 94841927. And you can email us today by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Easter weekend gardening edition mm. on Let's Talk Gardening. I love this email that came in from Patricia of Vibra Lake Ray. Last weekend, she asked us about her sweet potatoes. She oh, had a lot this of this was so funny, but yeah. didn't didn't have any potatoes. Yeah. And um, amazing growth. And and I gave her tips for getting more potatoes, which was to cut the vines so that they produce more tubers. Mm. So out she went, as instructed. Took her shovel and chop, 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 chop. chop. <laughs> she said you were correct. There were potatoes growing deeper in the bed. Yeah. Unfortunately. I chopped a couple of them, she said. So I laughed. I thought, so yes, I. we've all been there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there they were. She got uh, at least five good-sized Well, she would have potatoes. been pleasantly surprised, right? Because she thought <laughs> oh, she just had a bed of leaves. It it mm. never gets old, does it? You know, no. digging up potatoes and, and having But it was joy. just hilarious when we saw the photo. We laughed, yeah. Mm. No, well done. Well and that's done. it. They, so if anyone else is out there thinking, oh, these sweet potatoes have done nothing, you know, they're just all leaf. Yeah. And, of course, we heard that you can stir fry them and eat the leaves that way mm. but just dig down a bit further and and turn over a, a section of the patch and mm. and see what you find see what's going on mm. absolutely all right we will take a short break when we return we will be chatting with lisa passmore you are with ray and faye this easter weekend and this is Let's Talk Gardening. Now, a drum roll, please. Grab a sweet deal at Parry's Mega Easter Sale. Save up to 65% on ticketed items, in-store only. All stock on Parry's carpets, timbers, vinyls, hybrid, laminate, vinyl planks and remnants must be cleared. With free installation and free underlay, you can count on Parry's T's and C's apply. Download their new Bella Autumn magazine at parryscarpets.com.au. Open seven days a week across five locations. Station sponsor. Okay, now we have Lisa online. Happening, happening. There we are. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great, thank you. How are you, Faye and Ray? Very good, Very Lisa. well. Excited. Happy to report. Yes. Excited <laughs> to be talking to you today and I've done my homework. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Looking forward to chatting you today. All about finding inspiration. Yeah. Um, which is one of my favourite, favourite topics to talk about. 
Fabulous. So um, we were continuing our conversation on uh, garden design and, and those steps that, that listeners can take when they're looking to design their own spaces. Yeah, where do you start uh, to get inspiration? Yeah. Yes. Well, I think um, we can look at some of those garden themes and styles, first of all. So things like um, perhaps the flora for fauna garden is a very popular concept in the garden where we're growing plants to attract birds and wildlife into our garden, um, which certainly makes for an exciting um, and ever-changing garden. Or if you're designing for a family, then a family-friendly garden looking at non-toxic plants, um, mm. not so spiky, more more edible plants, things that the kids can, can graze on. Um, you know, we, <laughs> my daughter loves to go out into our garden and check on the strawberries and harvest blueberries and goodberries. And, and it's lovely having a garden that, that kids can do that in, a garden that's safe. Um, that they can wander around and and have that time communing with nature as well. It's very good for the kids. Mm. Um, but there's so many garden styles, isn't there? Um, oh, how would you there describe is. your your garden, Faye? What would you? How would you describe yours? Oh well, biodiversity and <laughs> lovely. <laughs> and I love my garden rooms. So definitely, habitat is something mm-hmm. that probably initially it didn't start out that way. Like we we bought four acres and what I wanted to do was have theme garden rooms mm. and I also thought funnily enough that maybe one day the property would help pay for itself so using plants that could maybe be sold off or or uh, go into floral mm. arrangements or be sold for foliage but of course I've never done that but you know all those sort of ideas that I had when I was starting out in the garden. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think having a starting out with a list of, of what you want mm. from the space, um, flowers for picking is a, is a great thing to include. And, uh, and wow, what a great space to play with, four acres. Mm. You're yeah. so lucky. That's brilliant. So I only have a small garden, Lisa. So when I had yeah. my garden put down uh, about 18 months, two years ago thereof, 18 months, I should say, I, my theme was romantic. That was the theme, yeah. That was the style of garden that I chose because I like movement in my garden. I like my ornamental grasses and I like coloured foliage. I also like fragrance. Mm. And I have all of those things now. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and so and, and then um, we moved on, obviously, which is one of the – our next questions is colour schemes or themes. Yeah. Yeah. So for some, for some listeners, um, you know, the, the, the themes and styles of Mediterranean, tropical, cottage – formal, modern, um, might not necessarily gel with them straight away. For some, they will. But for others, it's going to be be words that evoke those feelings, so things like the romantic garden. So uh, I encourage people to write down their what most appeals to them of those those themes or even look at the words that connect with the feelings that they want to create. Mm. Um, but we've got so much scope, haven't we? And it's, oh. sometimes the challenge is narrowing it down. Well, Lisa, mm. I found one of the, the things I did early on was to flick through magazines and cut out pictures yeah. of things I like yeah. and put them in a scrapbook And because I didn't know, you know, I didn't have the keywords. But yeah. in the end... I I came up with a style of garden that I wanted, say, so, around the pool. I end up pr- with a tropical look garden around the pool, but then it had to 
fit the mm. needs of, I don't want too much leaf drop, yeah. uh, low maintenance, yeah. uh, low water. Yeah. And, you know, there were a lot of plants that, that could fit that category. There are. In, in fact, I often say to, to my students as well uh, and clients, you know, show me pictures of gardens that you like yeah. from anywhere in the world and we can kind of distill the, the, the mood or the, the style from those images and, uh, and offer suggestions of plants that will grow in our climate that will yeah. give you that look. And so, we've got lots of moths going. Yeah. And for me, with colour, Lisa, I chose yep. the theme of uh, shades of orange and mauve, blues and mauves. Yeah, those are the colours that I wanted to focus on. Mm. They're very complementary colours as well on the yeah, colour wheel. Yeah, so that's what it was built around, those, those colours. Brilliant, mm. having a scene. And having images is great. So photos from the, from the magazines. Um, I use things like Pinterest and Instagram yes. um, a lot, and that's a great way to communicate with, with that um, second or third party on you know, the visuals that, that they're drawn to. So mm. um, wherever you get the photos from, having that collection, um, that scrapbook or that mood board, yeah. um, getting a, closer to the sense of what you want. Um, and then thinking about, you know, we talked about colour, but thinking also about um, when do you want that colour or that, that drama or that, you know, the garden to be really looking amazing. And for a pool garden... You want to time that with when you're using the pool most. So yeah. spring and summer um, would be its its season. But what what are the seasons for the other parts of the garden? Uh, and do you want to have something all year round? Yeah. Whether it's colour from foliage or or floral display, um, and that's one way we can get a garden that has no off season. If we're looking at the the foliage and the leaf textures and colours we can get that interest all year round as well. So. And I guess for people who've already got an established garden, maybe having mm. another look at that garden and looking how how it can be value added, maybe some of the, the shrubs that have grown into trees can be then under pruned and more plants can be put in to create more contrast or to jazz it up for a special event like a wedding or Christmas and really adding Absolutely. something that pops. And that can be done either if you're running out of space then bringing in some, some feature pots. Um, and, and, Ray, I heard you mention baskets before. That's a way that we can add those pops of, of colour for special yeah. events too. And, and things like Easter, I'll be heading to the nursery myself this morning to, <laughs> to pick up some, some colour. Some instant colour, yes. Yes. <laughs> and yes. for gifts as well, I think, a nice low-calorie gift. Yes. <laughs> Yes, um, would be would be fun too. So, um, I think that some of the questions that we need to look at when we're looking at you know, creating a wish list for the new space, mm. um, some of the key points are you know what do you want if you're starting from scratch and you've got an, an, an opportunity to create a new garden, what do you want to to do in that space? Is it for entertaining or relaxing, reading a book? Um, so writing down all those things you want to do in the garden. Um, how do you want to feel in the garden? Um, do you want to feel energised? Um, do you want to feel relaxed? You know, mm. there's a whole spectrum of different emotions that we can connect with. Um, and what do you want from the garden? Do you want to be able to eat it? <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, or, or swim in it or look at it or whatever it might be. So mm. writing down 
um, those thoughts. I guess for um, me, I wanted that. a showy yeah. garden. I wanted a garden that's, yeah. you know, a show, a show style garden, but something that I could relax in my own little sanctuary. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, magic. And those colours that, that are meaningful and significant to you, mm. um, you know, make you feel happy as well. Yeah. Um, so it's, and, and what a you know amazing thing to have a garden that's tailored specifically for you. And uh, whether this is done by the garden owner or by mm. a professional, yeah. um, having thought through these these processes makes makes their job much easier too. And then um, a designer, half their job is trying to get inside the client's head so yeah. they can give the client exactly what they want and and create a space they absolutely love. Um, I was wondering as well, the other inspiration, way we can find inspiration is to go out and, and visit gardens. Mm. Uh, and I wonder what, what inspiring gardens have you been to lately? I don't think I've been to any gardens lately. <laughs> I know you have, Faye. I have on Sunday yeah. as um, one of the things I love about the Perth Garden Club, which I joined over 20 years ah. ago, was a garden that we saw on Sunday. And it was um, put on the program by the committee and it was Lorraine from Cottage Garden Circle and she had a, a beautiful garden and, mm. and I shared that on the, ah. the Facebook group. Um, but it, it was just really lovely. It was uh, a big garden, big property and yep. there were spaces to wander in. So, mm. yeah, just the way it had been put together and... You know, whenever I go to these gardens, I go home and and I want to play in my garden and I want to make my garden better because I've come away with ideas and inspiration and energy, you know. And energy. They do mm -hmm. energise you. And I think um, I saw a really colourful garden last year up in Wanneroo and it's it's not something that I would have, but I came away with ideas and thought, okay, this these colours go together. This can be really exciting, and it just make it gave you energy just being in this colour. Mm. Yeah, it's very uplifting. Mm. So that yeah. was different uh, gardens evoke different emotions out of you, don't yes. they? So that was mm -hmm. one of the Open Gardens WA have had some amazing gardens, and they one have. that really changed my thinking was Ross Burnett's garden in Swanview, I think. When uh, I came yeah. home. And I just wanted to clip things. And I looked at those photos again last night. And, you know, the, it was like a tapestry. And so I've come away and, and realised that perhaps the gardens that I love are the ones where all the ground is covered mm. and it's yeah. just masses of plants with different contrasts and textures and shapes. And uh, mm. if you've got lots of shrubs in your garden and that they might be a bit unruly, like taming them with some clippers mm. can just yep. change the look. Any garden that appears uh, well cared for and loved looks good. Always looks good, yeah. yeah. And I know when my designer came a couple of years ago, she said, you know what, Ray, I'm really worried that I've overplanted, like I've got too much in this. And I said, never, never, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> but that's what yeah. we love like when we, garden lover. we yeah. see these show gardens at festivals and Melbourne Flower and Garden yeah. Show. There is no yeah. dirt. You just yeah. see wall-to-wall -wall plants. I don't know if that's realistic yeah. to create in your own garden because mm. one thing we have to be mindful of is how much things grow. A yeah. Another inspiring yeah. garden that we saw in the Open Garden Scheme was 
Janine Mandel's garden mm. and mm. that was just a Tropical blend garden. of textures mm. and colour yeah. and foliage and layers. And, and also she had feature walls in the backdrop of colour, mm. which I thought was a really interesting touch. We're taking over here, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just jotting down notes. <laughs> but, uh, I think in Janine's garden, yeah, that was what was very yeah. interesting is the backdrop and the way that she'd done very beautiful feature wall colours and you don't just have to have a plain colour. You can paint a wall so that the garden actually pops. Yeah, and it it doesn't have to be... Yeah, and I think one of those walls was like a deep pumpkin colour. You know, it doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. the generic dark colours that people go for. I've seen beautiful gardens where the backdrop has been a sort of a a strong pinky purple colour and the the green against that was just like, whoa, and it looked amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm picking a... up something, probably picking up a colour of some foliage or yeah. a piece of flower in the garden. So I'm sort of celebrating that. There's only so much scope there. But visiting gardens, we can we can learn so much. Um, looking mm. at how different different gardeners resolve challenges in the space, or how yeah. they draw your eye, um, the combinations they use, planting combinations. We can get lots of inspiration. Um, so that's really important and, and looking at the open garden scheme, open garden WA, um, visiting those gardens or even just driving through the suburbs and noticing a really nice planting scheme um, and asking yourself what is it about that that really inspires you, what what gels with you or likewise you might see things that, you know, that might not work for you and that's all part of that process, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to know what you don't like as well. Well, and if yeah. you can't get out, there's um, YouTube. So you Google a couple of your keywords and you can find all so sorts much. of things. Mm. But today, Garden Gurus at 4.30 on Channel 9, they have got arid exotics. So that could be a different different style concept. It fits with the Waterwise yeah. theme. And, Ray, yeah. your garden's been on there numerous times in the background. Mm. Yeah, recently. Wow. Yeah. Um, so once you've got your, your your wish list and you're thinking about the space, and hopefully you've been inspired by either a particular word or mood or or a garden theme, mm. um, then it's starting to to look at the elements that comprise of that, the plants as well, and then having a look at those plants, making making a note of the plants that you've shortlisted yeah. and have a look at those um, in the nursery. And, and the, the big trick, and, and this is what garden designers do intuitively but can be learned by anyone, is to then visualise how those plants will look fully grown. Yeah. Um, and then visualising them together in those combinations. So mm. um, that's something you can train your brain to do. Yes, um, yeah, you need a trained eye, don't you? Mm. <laughs> you do. And um, of course, it does become intuitive, yep. Looking at those plants, Lisa, knowing the size, being aware of the size that they're going to exactly. grow to, the aspect, yes. is it actually going to fit with the amount of sun, winter and summer and, and temperature? Yes. So frost might be an issue. The that's soil right. and where it, shade falls, soil. shade yeah. falls. That's a and big one. water. Mm. Does it? Water. Does, so it's like there's another checkbox <laughs> that you've got to go through when you find the plant uh, that you no, like. No. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. So the first step is figuring out the look, and then it's it's doing your research, 
and getting as much information as you can. And the best way, rather than relying on Google for plant information, is to talk to your local horticulturist or your local landscaper and ask them how big, how wide and what conditions does my plant actually um, need or, or grow to um, in this area. And that's where we, we really rely on our, our local knowledge um, for that. Because Google will give you, you know, when you're, when you're doing those searches, um, plant information around the world or even around the country will vary significantly for what it does here in Perth. Exactly. You do see some wonderful garden uh, shows on TV, but they're not in Perth. Mm. <laughs> and they look yeah. amazing and, you know, they have, you know, the, the magnificent maples and this and that, and you think, well, it's all right yeah. where you guys are, but we can't have that. <laughs> mm. No, it's quite a lot different. So starting with an inspiration, and if it's if it's colourful foliage, then that's one of your one of your things to explore and, and, and get that local advice. So talking to your local garden centres um, as well. They're going to be busy this weekend. Uh, well, they should be. People should be getting out and supporting their, their local nursery. And I, I know like when you talk about finding inspiration, places like Xantharia actually have a garden that you can wander mm. and you can yeah. see. So if you're after a native garden, that would be yeah. one place to go, or Kings Park. Oh yeah. Um, yes. Oh, or looking at the natural bush and and taking a walk through yes. one of the the open parks, playgrounds, Absolutely. rapids. Looking at what's happening at the different seasons too, because you'll have washes mm. of different colour coming through those local reserves and parks and and native bush areas. They they have these wonderful flushes of seasonal colour so you almost need to go you know four times a year at least absolutely absolutely but uh what a wonderful mission to be on <laughs> finding inspiration yes. inspiration this weekend <laughs> i think so <laughs> so next week we're talking about selecting the palette lisa yes yes so looking at all the all the elements so hopefully by then people have had a chance to think about catch up um, yeah themes and um, yeah. yeah brilliant okay, we look Looking forward to that it. We wish you and all of yours a happy Easter. Keep keep safe and stay healthy. Thank and thank you for your wisdom this morning. We appreciate it very much. Thank you, Lisa. Lisa. Enjoy the garden. <laughs> yes. Thanks, love. Take care. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Ray. Bye. Bye. And that was Lisa Passmore from Inspired by Nature. And we've got two more segments to go, do we? Mm, we yeah. do. Okay, we're looking forward to that. I hope we didn't take over too much. <laughs> we got carried away. We get excited too. Curtain Radio. We appreciate your company this Easter weekend. You are with Ray and Faye and this is Let's Talk Gardening. Uh, Faye, uh, someone rang in and they would like you to repeat the instructions to propagate hydrange. When to do it? Okay, hydrangeas, um, the ideal time to do it is in the warmer months because that's when their roots will be growing. They will be slowing down now. Having said that, I while they are still hanging in there, I like to do a minor cutback now just to, to tidy up the yeah, shape of the plants. Yeah. So I cut back to two fat buds. Now, sometimes you'll find two lots of two fat buds on the same stem. So what you might do is cut down to the closest to the ground ones, and that leaves you a longer cutting. And then you cut just below a node, remove the two fat buds at the base, and they go into the ground and will develop roots. So 
when nodes go into the ground, anything below the ground takes roots. Anything above the ground will shoot. And they don't need to be very long at all. But they can be very long. I remember my mother-in-law years ago cut uh, bigger than one foot lengths. Wow. Nipped off the flower heads because once mm. they flowered, they don't flower again. So yeah. they're the good ones to clean up. And they were just stuck in the ground all together in one hole. And then springtime came and the roots kicked off and the, the leaves developed and then they were all divided out. Wow. Mm. And that was how my father-in-law did his grapevines too. Oh, really? So space saving. You don't have to individually pot yeah. all your cuttings. Yeah. You can divide them later. Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. And... Uh, let me see. Juna Beckenham phoned in and she's wishing everyone a wonderful weekend and Easter and stay safe on the roads. Absolutely, June, number one priority. Mm. Staying safe within our health and certainly on the roads if you're moving about. We're in Woodvale talking about a rose. Pamela, good morning. Oh, good morning. Um, now, we've got a lot of roses and I think they've had that chilly strip yes. where all the leaves have uh, gone really small and crooked looking. Yes. So we've already done uh, done it once. We've cut them all back and sprayed them with a fungicide. Right. But the new ones that have come up have come back again all the same mm. leaves. What do we do? So, Pamela, the chilli thrip is a pest. So spraying with a fungicide won't make an ounce of difference to them other than the fact that you've you've sprayed something. And the thing about the chilli thrip is it likes a dry environment. It doesn't like a wet environment. So the, the wet weather that we had is in our favour. Uh, the damage has already been done. Are they all very badly affected or are some faring better than others? There's a few that are not quite as bad, but mostly... The, all the new uh, growth that's coming through is all like this crinkly little leaves and things. And even when they've, they've sort of got a bud on, it's all been crinkly mm. and not opened. Did you feed them when you cut them back? Um, yes, I think we did. Okay. Because yeah. my theory is that they're going to go for new growth and particularly new growth that's been fed or encouraged by fertilizer it'll be it'll be softer if a plant is strong and hasn't been fed with with a nitrogen boost i yeah. believe it's less likely to be attacked that's just my theory so right. rather than than feeding and cutting back because what both of those things will do is encourage new growth. And that's what the chilli thrips like. So okay. at this stage, I actually wouldn't cut back your roses. I would just leave them as they are for the time being. You, yeah. Whatever is there, the damage has been done. The fact that the weather is cooling and there may be some rain around and or you could go out there a couple of times a day and spray them with water that will yeah. inhibit their life cycle. They won't be as okay. happy to live there. You could also, you could spray with a, a seaweed or fish tonic. That will help yeah. the cells of the plant 
and it will in, encourage stronger cell growth. Right. Okay. Now, the reason I wouldn't cut them back is whatever leaves are there is important for the health of the rose. They need to be able to photosynthesize. Right. So if you if you can just bear with it for now because you can't fix what's done. No. And you don't no, want no. to encourage new growth and you don't want to cut off what leaves are there because then the the plant has got left less leaves. It can't photosynthesize. Right. So I'll just leave them for the time being. I if, I would. Yeah. And what if it keeps if it like in a couple of months time it still comes back these crinkly leaves. It it'll be them? a different story then, Pamela. Because what will happen in a couple of months' time, it will be wetter and it will be colder. And we will be going right. into, they have their little and, dormancy period as and well. The, right. And the roses. Mm. So, you know, we will sort of hang in there until winter mm. when we can cut them back. Yeah. And, and we will just survive it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thanks very much. Cheers. You're welcome, Thanks, Pamela. Pamela. Bye-bye. Okay, and we're in Girawin. Philomena, good morning. Hello. Hi, Ray. How are you? We're well, thank you. How can we help you, yeah. Philomena? Right. I want to, you know, the caperberry bush. Where can I buy one from the uh, Ooh, they, they're not very common, but they will come oh. into nurseries at different times. Um, okay. I might have to get John to look this one up, Philomena. He may be able to find something online. Okay. But Certainly so your your nurseries and garden centres. and yeah, certainly if, do a ring if, around. If mm. there is one close to you, you can put your name down and they could potentially order one in for you and let you yeah, know when can, it arrives. They, yeah, they can source it up. So basically, you know, you'd grow it in a, in a pot, wouldn't you, rather than in the ground? Oh, I, th I think you could do either. Okay. And while while we're at it, like I've said a while ago, I've got a native uh, lime lime bush in a pot. Yes. Right. Is and it a finger lime? Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it, Bay. Uh, and lo and behold, um, I want to know: Can I use the common uh, all-purpose fertilizer in a pot? I would certainly yeah. be using a controlled release fertilizer. Right. Okay, my husband's sitting here listening. So. Okay, a controlled release fertilizer because it's in a pot. If you use a granular, it it can possibly burn the roots. All right, okay, okay. And do they basically do they have like seasonal thing? The leaves will go because it's autumn will go, you know, an, an autumny color, and then it'll come good in summer. Not so much an autumn no. color, but they will go off in winter, which is mm -hmm. why they're not. They're often not available through the winter months, uh, and, it's, it's and they become. Yeah, it's in a sunny position, and um, I don't know. But did you watch ABC last night, where the guy from Perth, uh, an Aboriginal lady, was taking him through the bush up at the Brill Acres? Yes, beautiful, yes. beautiful. Anyway, thank you so much, ladies, and you have a good weekend. You too. Thanks, Bye, Philomena. Philomena. Bye. Cheers, for Cheers for that. Okay, back shortly. Radio. Let's talk gardening with you. It's approaching six minutes to nine and you will we will play the news for you at nine o'clock. And just in, in reference to Philomena's comment about growing capers in pots, they will actually do 
better in the ground. You can grow them in pots, but you won't probably get a very good harvest as the plant likes to develop a very large root structure. They mature at around three to four years, but will live for 30 to 50 years. Wow. And there are five species of butterfly whose caterpillars eat the leaves in Australia. Okay. Mm, very interesting. So, yeah. All right. I think because we have about six minutes to go leading into the news, maybe we could do a couple of emails. What do you think? Certainly. This one has come in from Evelyn this morning and she says, Good morning, ladies. I enjoy your program every week. I bury my kitchen scraps in the garage, probably garden, I'd say, and have a few of these plants growing in the garden. And it does look like an avocado for sure. And they do grow very easily in compost. I've got... One popping up in my worm farm, believe yeah. it or not. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, very good. Yeah, because you can't put uh, avocado seeds in your worm farms. Yes. They apparently eventually do break down. So I've Well, read. if if they rot, if they mm, don't germinate. Down. Yeah. And if they do germinate, well, you can pot them out. Uh, now, a couple here, Ray. One is from Gordon, and he sent in a photo of a... A gumpo azalea. Now, it's obviously dying back, and that's what he's having trouble yeah. with. He's been struggling for maybe two to three years mm. and thinks they're suffering from some sort of dieback. So, Gordon, what, what I would do with these would be to trim back the dead, dying, diseased branches and have a look. I, I want you to inspect and see if there's any sign of pest damage. Sometimes when a, a bush gets very crowded, mm. you might get scale or mealybug in there. Mm. And that could possibly be a cause. So inspect it for any sign of pests. Failing that, also check the water. Now, a wetting agent would be a good idea, as well as... Uh, a, a seaweed through the area and check that the sprinklers are working okay. Sometimes things will tunnel or bury. So if the roots have been disturbed because they're a very shallow rooted plant, that could cause some sort of dying back in branches. So mm. check that. Uh, definitely a seaweed drink. And the other thing is potentially fungal. Uh, we You might be able to tell from the leaves if you were to get a magnifying glass and give them a close inspection. So sometimes there'll be uh, petal blight, which can be a problem. Mm, yeah. Azalea lace bug. And these are very tiny, like the size of a, the ball on a pin. Mm. Uh, but once again, you'll see them with a magnifying glass and they're actually pretty cute when you enlarge mm. the photos. There is something that could maybe help if it is a type of dieback and that would be anti-rot that acts like a tonic uh, failing that without detecting anything what you could then do is bag a sample and send it to the department of primary industries and regional development yes well done and there is also an app that you could send my pest guide reporter app yeah. That would be another one. But just just see if you can find any evidence of any other problems on the plant. Yeah. Other than that, cut it back 
and monitor the new growth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have two minutes, young lady. What can you, what <laughs> can you do in going. two minutes? So for Trish of Dianella, she has sent him photos of looks like a pest in a grass tree. She's discovered one has white webbing, small white and black flat oval things hanging from the webbing. Mm. It looks like a pupil case. So I would say that something has hatched out. Uh, but it, it could be a sign of something else that I don't actually know of. I, th- I suspect there could be ants involved in this. Once again, Trish, my Pest Guide Reporter app would possibly be, you know, they, they're just the gurus yeah. on identifying pest problems and they would be familiar with what this could potentially be. Mm. And be able to tell you what else to look out for. Um, so I hope that helps. So if you've got a mobile phone and you've got access to the internet, my Pest Guide Reporter app, you can download. All you do is upload the photos that you have sent me here. Mm. And you just say what it's on. So grass tree and what area. Mm. And they'll report back. Contact. Back. There's also the Facebook group Insects of Perth and Southwest Western Australia, right? And that's a really good resource because people are posting up, yeah, and what other people are responding now, yeah. and there are people on there that are very knowledgeable. Yeah, so there's over nine thousand members on that group now. Oh wow, that's mm. that's big. Okay, so that's another good option for and, people to be involved. And people with. are very supportive, sharing yeah. information, and it lets us know what's active around at the moment. So yeah. sometimes we see things that we haven't heard of elsewhere. Yeah, for sure. Okay, thank you very very much. It is nine a.m. Right now, 20.1 degrees. We are heading for a maximum today of 25. It will be mostly sunny. And for Easter, the minimum overnight is 14. The maximum tomorrow, 24, partly cloudy. And for Easter Monday, the minimum overnight is 12 with a maximum of 25, mostly sunny. True autumn weather, folks, finally. And our rainfall for April so far, 47.4 mils. Yippee. Okay. And we're over to Ruth. We're in Port Kennedy. Hi, Ruth. How's it going? Hi. Not not bad. Um, I'm not quite sure which of you ladies um, said that you could have the white support. Yeah. That was, yes. That was yes. I yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I went to my girlfriend's place the other day and I got some leaves off her and it looks exactly the same as that. Right. Um, so I'm thinking it's that. I don't know if... Well, I looked at my tree, uh, which, gosh, I got that from a gentleman in the Palm Society more than 15 years ago. It had been growing in the shade of a bottle brush, which has had a big cutback. The tree itself is now getting more light and it's put on new growth. And it it certainly does look like a white sapote. Right. And and my my other thing is that I actually have an, an elderly friend in Les Murdy that's had exactly the same come up in one of her pots, and what I often because I go and visit her and I actually do a, um, a support worker for her now um, pick up random fruit from the Mundaring Hills fruit and veggie and 
it is likely that I have picked up one of those and had one for myself and given her one. And we just, because we both love gardening, um, (laughs) possibly have planted it. So um, I, I think it must be that. Excellent. Well, I tell you what, you might want to put it into a bigger pot. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, not quite sure what the root system's like because we've moved from 10 acres in Baker's Hill down to 680 square metres in Port Kennedy. So yeah. um, it, it's a bit of a challenge for me to downsize in yeah garden. Yeah, <laughs> of course. But, well, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think a bigger pot. I mean, this is a beautiful plant, glossy green leaves, mm. Um, mm. very healthy looking. And it will yes. it will grow bigger if you give it some space. Yeah, yeah. But you you think maybe not in the ground? Uh, I would want to research the root yeah. system because I wouldn't want to tell you to put it into 680 grams, uh, 680 square metres. <laughs> yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd want to do my research. But knowing that it might be a white sapote, I know it will grow probably quite a bit bigger and right. and any tree that does grow big is going to have a root system that equates yeah, to I, it yeah yeah you're right yeah mm. definitely but um um and just one other thing that changing the subject well you had a lady on earlier and i, I try to listen to your program every saturday but sometimes it's hard because i want to be out in the garden oh i know get um, a radio out in the garden <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, but she sort of said, oh, if, if whatever garden you like, um, take from that. Well, I like them all. So how do you know? This is well, the problem, isn't it, Ruth? But you can. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm yeah. the same. Yeah. You can yeah. create little garden rooms. So rooms, yeah. You, and you can do that by, for example, you, so you've got this white sapote. You can put it into a bigger pot. You could yes. cluster some pots that will make a screen so right. you yes. can yes. theme your garden. Even if it is a small space, you could put in a wall, you could put in a fence panel, you could make it a bright colour. You could kind yeah. of do like a series of courtyard rooms depending yeah. on what yeah. style. You can make it work. <laughs> no, I, I I will. And just one other thing. My mother asked me one day what was my favourite flower and I said my favourite flower is whatever one I come across when I go, go through the garden. <laughs> yes, yes. The one you're looking at. Yes, you're a passionate gardening lady, Ruth. <laughs> I love it and we have done so much to our... We've only been here a year and I've got dwarf fruit trees and climbers and, yeah, but um, love bunnings, love... love um, <laughs> Uh, was the Dawson's in Forestfield is awesome, and the, yep. the place in Goodsbury Hill—they're they, all awesome. Yes, but, um, yes. And love listening to you, ladies. Thank you very much. Thanks, <laughs> you make Ruth. Lovely call. Thanks, Ruth, and enjoy. Happy Easter, love. Take care. Oh, I, I am, and the weather is pu- perfect. It is. Enjoy every moment. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. Ladies. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers for that. And as promised, we're talking salvias this morning and we have Ben Mayo online. Now, Ben is a horticulturalist and passionate plants person. He just absolutely like is. All of us. Ben, good morning. How are you? I'm good and how are you? We are, you are good. You're speaking with Ray and Faye, of course. Keeping yes. safe, young man. Yes, I am. Good boy. In the garden, in the garden. So Good place to be, right? Sanctuary. Yes. yes. 
Yes, so we thought we'd talk to you today about salvias. Absolutely one of my close-to-heart faves. I adore them. I adore them. And we might kick off with the email from Gail because I know she's been very excited. She's been waiting a couple of weeks for this, Ben. (laughs) So she she said that um, she sent us an email that I replied to on the 23rd of March. Listening Saturday, the 9th of April, you confirm that you'll be discussing salvias. Apart from pruning, I would like to know the best way and time to try and strike about six cuttings. This way, at least one should take. I can also uh, listen to the podcast to check out what I might miss and refresh the details. I do strike some of my own plants, geraniums, daylily, succulents, orchids, etc., probably why I have too many pots and plants, she says. <laughs> so there you go, Ben. So with propagating, they're actually quite easy because they are in like the, the same family as mint. Yeah. So um, they're, not, they're not too difficult. Usually it's timing, but I always say do more cuttings than you need because you can always give them away. Exactly. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, there's there's a few different types of salvias and each one requires slightly different timing, but usually it would be um, spring. Mm. But in saying that, I do cuttings whenever I have... If I'm going to prune it and I'm going to have spare pieces, I do cuttings. And if they work, they work. If they don't work, yeah. But usually, um, because with most salvias, I find... The warmer season's the best, but um, in saying that, Perth is a little bit hot in the summer, so I, yeah. I avoid that unless I've got a nice little cool spot. But even in winter, if if I've pruned my plant, um, I'll do cuttings. They'll just take longer until they root, or they might not do anything until spring, and then they'll start shooting out um, roots. But it, I always take virtually um, small non-hard wood cutting, so kind of the softer wood. Probably, so the actual tip? Yeah, usually a growing tip. Okay. Um, I have done it from lower parts, so I've cut the, a bigger bigger branch off. I've used the tip in one cutting, and then I've used the other bits as well. Yeah. Uh, they just do... You, usually the tips actually are faster at growing. Okay. Um, but a, any time of the year, just... um. Either use like a pure honey that hasn't been um, heat treated, so mm. it has to be something that's local, or just use a, um, a cutting powder or a cutting gel, dip it in there, put it in the trays. Um, I just use a seed raising mix. I don't go to a lot of fuss. I think if you fuss over them, they yeah. get a little bit sooky and they want to be fussed over forever. Um, <laughs> Sounds a bit like myself, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. And then just put it somewhere where it's getting um, filtered light or a bright shady spot. Um, if you've got a, a seedling tray or one of those little hot house domes, um, even better. But don't over over fuss. I think just mm. always do more than you need, mm. um, and that way there you usually with salvias I get success with most of them. Yeah. So Ben, when you say there's different types of salvias. What type would you describe as, say, hot lips? Hot lips, I would say, is like a, a sub-shrub. So it's kind of like, um, as it gets older, it gets a little bit woody and shrubbery. So it gets quite, um, the, the wood turns brown and gets a little bit thicker. So that would be what I, they're usually from, like, Mexico, California area. 
So they do quite well um, here in Perth. And they, they're they ones that I do all year round. They mm. seem to always propagate for me. What about pruning? Pruning, I do after flowering. Oh. So, <laughs> when they don't but, stop, what do you do? That's the hard part. You, <laughs> you just have to pick a time. So if you're going to be having an event on, then prune it accordingly, like after after you've had your garden show or you've had visitors. But I usually prune it when it slows down or stops flowering. Because some varieties, mm. yeah, like the hot lips one always flowers. It doesn't really ever stop for me. So mm. I just have to go, I'm not going to be in the garden too much in this season. I'm going to prune it then. If you're getting, if you get frost, I would hesitate doing it right in the frost season mm. for all of the varieties. But depending on where you are in Perth, um, usually I just find when it slows down, I give it a good prune. And is there a time kind of when you shouldn't prune it? Like sometimes they they go a bit off, they'll be putting out some new shoots, but I know in the past I've occasionally lost one, mm. which I think is pruning at the wrong time. Yeah. It can be pruning too heavy yeah. when when you get the extremes, I'd say, so midwinter or midsummer. Okay. And usually I prune down to where I see some shoots. Yeah. If you prune it that little bit too far, um, it can actually set it back a little bit too much. In saying that, though, I do often prune mine half to two-thirds of the way back. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... Um, also, if you find you're having trouble with, with things dying off when you've pruned them, prune half of it. So prune the outsides mm. and leave the top a little bit taller. And once you see new shoots coming along, then cut the top off yeah. so it's got the energy to keep keep pushing through. Yeah. yeah so good, would it be tip. safe to whip around and, and prune them all back by maybe a third at the moment and encourage more more bushy growth and more flowers? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um so now, now depending, the only ones I don't prune right now are the ones that I call autumn flowering um, salvias. They usually don't get the harder wood. They always stay quite green wood and they're a little bit more mm, damaged. So they're a little bit more flexible and they can break a bit easier. Yeah, some of them can be quite uh, brittle, can't they? They yes, break yeah. very easily, even just brushing past. It can just... even. Yeah. yeah, even the woody ones can do that as well. Yeah, yeah. They, oh, seem, for sure. they seem quite woody, but um, you walk past and instead of Snap. breaking off a little tip, it might break off a, a decent a decent branch. Yeah, definitely, definitely. What are some of your favourite salvias? <laughs> That's the hard question. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hot Lips has always been a favourite of mine. I've had that in my garden for over 20 years. I've done many cuttings, yeah. given it to family. Mum mm. and dad are actually giving one back to me because they want to move houses, so yeah. they know I love it that much. Mm. Um, another one is Salvia Africana Lutea. So this is an African variety. So it flowers in the middle of winter. Love that. It has the gorgeous um, orangey copper coloured flowers. Mm. And it's a real tough customer. Um, is that, is that, years, yeah, sorry, so, hard to get hold of? It's not as frequently found. Mm. Um, because it doesn't flower all year round, mm. it does, you don't always see it in um, nurseries or anything, but you often might see it at a market or yeah. home growers that have propagated it. Yes. But that one also sets quite a few seeds. So I do get little volunteers pop up and mm. um, 
I dig them up and move them on or um, mm. lots of people always get salvias given to, from me. Yeah. And I love the smell of salvia elegans, which is called the pineapple sage. Oh, yes. It has a beautiful smell. Um, some people aren't that fond of it, I find. Mm. But I, uh, the, the leaves just have a, a really nice pineapple scent to it. Mm. Um, bright, bright red flowers on light green foliage. It's always a delight. Um, I always put that where I am, going to brush past it. And if a little bit breaks off, then it comes into the house with me. Yeah. And what about care? They are relatively easy care. Mm. The the woody ones, um, the ones that actually get um, the browner wood, mm. they can handle the sun. Um, sometimes part shade, they just might not flower as much. You get little perennials. Um, they probably like the shade a little bit more, but they'll grow underneath other plants where there's filtered light. And the taller ones that seem to always keep the green wood, the um, autumn flowering ones, they, I tend to always keep them in a little bit of shade. So afternoon shade, um, but the sun most of the day, but just the afternoon or hot winds keep it away from them. Mm. But they're they're usually quite um, forgiving if you have it in a spot that's a little bit sunnier. You can, the only difference will be it will require more water. I was just about to ask you, how much water for these guys? I always say average water. But if you've got a couple of varieties that want a little bit more, they will show you by the leaves drooping. Yes. And then you know that that one is a little bit more sensitive to water. And it could also be your soil might be very sandy instead of loam. Because they love root loam. bound. <laughs> yes, yes. I do grow a few in pots, but I find they do actually, they're a little bit, quite a lot more thirstier when they're in a pot. Yes. And if you let them dry out that little bit too far, mm. you can lose them. Yeah. And... Yes. And, and fertilising, just any old organic garden fertiliser. I don't um, go out of my way to buy anything specific. If I've got something for roses, I give them a handful of that. If I've got just all-purpose, they get some of that. But mm. usually they, they respond best to organic-style fertilisers. But if you've got a, a pesky dog that gets into your garden every time you put organic stuff down, yes. you, can, you can use a man-made fertiliser usually you get better results with the organic ones. Okay, very, very interesting. Now, this is just coming from Andrea. I have a green thumb and love my gardening, but I cannot grow salvias. They go well and then die. Do they like water or not? Do they have soil pH needs? The pH is probably average. Um, I wouldn't put them next to um, something like... I've forgotten the name, bearded irises, where you're adding lime to the soil. But if you've got just general garden soil, they should be fine. Even if it's a little bit acidic, it usually doesn't hurt them. Um, the main issue is probably this, buy a smaller plant, not a bigger plant. So okay. if you, if you're, when you go to the shops, if you see um, two next to each other, one looks like it hasn't... Um, filled the pot as much as the other one get the one that hasn't filled the pot because usually the root system will be what causes the problems if they're too root bound in the pot when you buy it they never really recover from that right okay good tip thank you ben that is very inspiring we're going to have to leave it there but we'd love to get you back on and in the studio before too long 
Yes, Lena, that would be awesome. All right. right. Thank you you very much. Happy Easter. Thank you very much. Yes, happy Easter to you too. Okay, keep safe. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. Bye. And that was Ben Mayo, horticulturalist and passionate plants person, and uh, Sylvia's uh, one of his passions. Okay, back in a moment. 24 minutes after nine, you are tuned into Let's Talk Gardening, and George Minoldi will join you at 10 a.m. with the classic 60s, followed by Ray Finn from 12 noon to three. Something more for you to look forward to. Let's go straight out to the lines. We are in Thornley. How's it going, Tim? Uh, fine, thank you, Ray and Faye. Very good. So we've got a little note here to say you've ripped out the front garden and you're hoping for tips or places to find ideas on what to do with it. Yep, that's right. (laughs) So you're in Thornley, so I imagine you've got sandy soil. Correct, yes. Do you have anything uh, that, that is staying in the garden? Have you got any trees or anything that you need to work with, Tim? Uh, no, I've actually literally ripped out everything. There was a big fern in there and I've ripped it out. There was like this, I don't know what it was, it's like a pine nut bush type thing which was meant to be a small bush which, which over 20 years grew really, really high, as high as the roof. Mm. Um, and all of those have all been ripped out. So everything's ripped out, stump ground, uh, stumps have been ground out. And I'm just thinking um, what to put in there and what would be best because I, I, I actually don't want anything with big root systems. Sure. Yeah. So you have a clean slate, Tim. Yep. And you're a passionate gardener? No, I actually don't know anything about gardens, which is the reason why I'm calling you. Okay, we're going low maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tim, is there any lawn? Um, yes, I actually do have a bit of lawn, but um, we're, uh, basically where the fern tree that I had was in there, uh, there wasn't any grass growing because of the shade of where the fern tree was. Okay. You know what? I would love it if you would send me a photo because we we could really work with you on this and, um, you know, do you know if you would like native or would you like tropical? Uh, I'd like to see the house. Do you want to keep the lawn? Will, will we just get rid of the lawn altogether? Will we put a pathway through and and just plant? In which way? Uh, the, we could do it on a budget. So, you know cottage garden like cuttings from friends uh things like agaves don't need any any anything really you can pick them up off verges people throw them out Mm. um you know you could do it from just collecting uh dracaenas and yuccas and I probably wouldn't recommend putting them in. I was going to say but they can be free Mm. you could put Mm. them in a pot could make a nice feature what way does your garden face? What's What are the aesthetics? Well, basically, you've got like about, it'd be about a metre width from the actual letterbox from the front going all the way up uh, to the house and then it goes right in front of the front bedroom window. Um, and so there's only about a metre to a metre and a half max at any given width. So I, I haven't got a lot of room. Ah. Um, I was actually leaning towards maybe something like a hedge and um, I was actually talking to my wife and she was thinking of something like a flowering hedge or something of that nature. Okay. Can you send us an email, Tim? A photo. Yeah, yeah, I'll actually take a photo and send you an actual email. And tell tell us what you are thinking. Uh, I, 
I have to tell you though, I'm a bit worried about hedges because lately, over the the summer months, we've received more and more problems with hedges dying back, uh, suffering water issues, etc. So if you're if you do want something low maintenance, then we have to be very careful about what we choose, how much water it's going to get and what its longevity is like. Okay, okay. Um, sounds like it might be best to think. Because what I was going to do is I was, I was going to um, hoe it all up and then I was going to put in um, a brand new sprinkler line because the one I've got in there is 20 years old and it's all cracking. So I need to like um, put a new sprinkler line in. Um, and I was going to put those little micro sprinklers in and then I was just going to leave it in, until it was the best season to plant. So I actually don't know when's the best season to plant. Okay, sure. And the other thing I was going to say is you could get a truckload of free mulch delivered and that can be a good way to start a garden. Like instantly you're covering, well, I wouldn't say put it over any lawn because the lawn will grow through, but mm-hmm. where your gardens are, it will actually keep the weeds down okay yep yep and keep it moist too i I would i would suggest it does help start to improve the soil as it breaks down but you probably don't want to do that if you also need to prepare the soil depending on what sort of plants you're going to put in okay um so what is the actual email that i send the photo and that to okay got a pen tim yep gardening Gardening at curtainfm.com.au and curtain is spelt C-U-R-T-I-N. Dot com dot A-U. Curtainfm.com.au. Okay. Lovely. I, I'll, I'll actually take a photo and I'll uh, do a little plan with some measurements of the width of the garden bed. Yeah, um, great. Because I've, I've actually got, like, you know, that little concrete curbing? Yes. I've actually got that around the edge of the garden. Yes. So okay. I really don't want to take any lawn out. I just want to leave that where it is. Mm. And Tim, I'm not promising to do a garden consult during the week, okay, because it's school holidays, but we can um, talk about this next weekend with Lisa and throw some ideas around for you. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye Cheers. for now. Take care. Bye. Okay. Grab a sweet deal at Parry's Mega Easter Sale. Save up to 65% on ticketed items in-store only. All stock on Parry's carpets, timbers, vinyls, hybrid laminate, vinyl planks and remnants must be cleared. With free installation and free underlay, you can count on Parry's. T's and C's apply. Download their new Bella Autumn magazine at parryscarpets.com.au. Open seven days a week across five locations. Station sponsor. Okay, next, Gail phoned in and wants to say thank you for the Ben interview and uh, has given her some in-depth help for her Selvius and uh, she's got lots of notes and she's ready to rock and roll. And Norma of Allenbrook is hoping you could please repeat the details about the app for identifying pests. Okay, it is called My Pest Guide Reporter app. My Pest Guide Reporter app. And it's just so easy to use. They're they're very good. They get back to you within 24 hours generally. Um, I've used them recently for caterpillars I've found around the garden 
and they often give advice about how how to manage the pests as well. And Barbara Dinella is after the details of the Mirror Booker Orchid Show next month. Well, the de- the show that we have details to Barbara is in Swanview. And it's the Northern Districts Orchid Society. And it's on the 1st of May between 9am and 3pm. And it's at the Bruce Douglas Pavilion, which is in Salisbury Road, Swanview. That's the information we have for the next up and coming Orchid Society show. The Mirror Booker, I think, is later in the year. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. But they did change the venue i understand yeah yeah and i think this is it okay so uh the bruce douglas pavilion in Swanview. so that's the first of may 9 a.m to 3 p.m and we will mention that again as we get closer to may okay what else have we got here we've got pumpkins okay let's do them hi susan oh hi ray uh hi how are you and you say very good hi coming up (laughs) Um, yes. Now, what I wanted to know uh, is growing quite healthy there. It's travelling along, and I see lots of flowers. I've had four flowers, but they've all been female. So, mm. how do you fertilise them? Well, you can't. You have to wait for the males, and it's usually temperature dependent. But right. Susan, the bad news is that we are going into cooler months. So even if they were fertilised now, I don't think there's enough left of the growing season to oh, to get them to maturity unless, and this is from experience, unless they are growing on a, a huge mound of mulch, which has yeah, its right. own heat inside of it. Right. Well, I'll tell you what they're growing on. And it, somebody gave me the, the um, thing. And it was funny because I, I heard... It might have even been on your program because I listen on a Saturday, but they said, oh, people are picking the pumpkins now. And I thought, oh, that's a bit strange, you know, that I'm just planting one. But it is actually growing. It's growing out of the soil, then there's loosened hay, and then there's horse manure on the top, which with the garden I, I put in to rock down for you know, the winter veggies and things. Yes. So I, I put it in there and it, it just looks so healthy. But like you say, it's probably going to be too cold. Yes, I, I would just dig it in. Yes, dig it in and have it have a crop. Uh, what's it, a green crop? Yes. Well, it'll yeah. help to improve the soil because it's organic matter. It'll break down and, yes, get ready to plant your, your winter veggies. Yeah, okay. Thanks for that. Yeah, I've been watching the flowers. I'm looking at one now and it's beautiful colour there. Perhaps I should grow it for the flowers. <laughs> well, yes. stranger things have happened. No, but you yeah. can. And then you can stuff them with goat's cheese and you can uh, do them in egg and bread crumbs and fry them. Oh, you can eat the flowers, can yes. you? Yes. Oh, yes. It's just because they just look so bright and cheerful, don't they? You know. Well, shape. they do. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you can eat the leaves as well. I've heard of that being done before. You can eat just about all parts of the plants. That's a whole oh, segment right. in itself. Oh, I better just Google all that then. Oh yes. well, thanks very much, ladies, and have a like I say, have a lovely Easter, and I love the program. Thank, Thank you, you, Susan. Susan. Cheers for now. 94841927. What is next? Have we cleared our emails? Uh, well, this this was the other um, hedge question. So Trish from Dianella yeah. uh, 
As you can see, two of my hedge plants have died. Oh, it was a retic issue during the hot summer and the plants need to be replaced. Are you able to identify the plants from the photos and where could I possibly access a reasonably bigger plant from? Um, mm. I would suggest you're in Dianella, perhaps just taking a piece of it in a sealed plastic bag to the garden centre and getting them to have a look. I can't, I'm sorry, I can't tell from the photo, Trish, what plant this is. And there's no flowers to even give me a clue. Yeah. Um, that That's what I would do. Okay. There we go. We actually have got through our emails, Ray. <laughs> our work is done. Well, in, I think we could squeeze in a song. Okay, let's do it. One of our faves, Roy Orbison, Blue by You. Hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. And whilst we were having our little reprieve, lots more emails came through. Yes. And this one, Ray, uh, came through by SMS. But our SMS system uh, doesn't work that well. And it came through with no name and no photos. Apparently, so, uh, the photo won't come through on the SMS. So okay. Learned. So... If whoever sent us the SMS addressed to Ray and Faye could please send through to Our the email address. Email, yes, definitely. It was about the the Queen of the Night, yes. and they had seventy five flowers over two nights. Oh so, my yes, word! We look forward to oh that. yes. And Maria from Middle Swan has sent in a photo of her white sapote tree, which is in fruit at the moment, and it's about five metres tall. So that mm. that looks stunning. Wow. That's a big That's, girl. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah, and the fruit looks very healthy too. Mm. Yum, and yum. another one came in, the beautiful fungi photos. And with all that rain, fungi season is often racing. It is. It is. And what, what is this one that we're looking at? Uh, I haven't got the name off the top of my head, Ray, but I know it's um, one of the fungi that probably breaks down organic matter in the soil, like yeah. um, what, rotting wood, etc. Mm. And they will appear in gardens that have had manure added to them. Yeah. And they're just, they're delightful. There are so many different types of fungi out there and, and we'll be seeing them modes. pop up more yes. and more yeah for sure okay we'll be back shortly Radio. and we are back you are with ray and faye 94841927 if you'd like to have a chat have a question for faye between now and 10 a.m now we got an email and it says hi my husband and i have recently retired here to wa they're in Rockingham from the New South Wales Central Coast. The second day we were here, I was twiddling with the dial and came across Curtin FM. Wow, I love it. Takes me back to listening to my parents' records in the 60s and then mine in the 70s and 80s. She sounds about our vintage fame. Mm. And thank you for a great station with awesome music and really terrific DJs. Regards, Heather Lawrence. Good on you, Heather. Spread the word. Yeah, that's quite often how people find Curtin FM uh, is just by deviling with the dial. Yes. <laughs> deviling with the dial. That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. And what will you be deviling away with? Have you got a part of your garden that's not your favourite, Ray? Or is it all... Has oh, it all turned out how you wanted when you oh, sat down no, to design it? No, because I think that 
Some plants that were planted were planted with the view of being in shade and the shade is not there yet because the garden's young. So I've had to relocate things and some some plants burnt. So mm-hmm. I had to improvise and remove them either completely or re- relocate them, if you like. So that's something to think about when you are... Um, planting a garden and um, thinking, well, I'm planted this tree. I'm going to have this canopy. You've got to have the canopy first, you know. And and, and this was done the other way around, mm. and things just burnt like um, cliveus. So the plan is good on paper. It's fantastic but... on paper, but the practicality is very different. So that's where I got caught out. And I, I guess I thought I put everything where we were told to put it, knowing that it wasn't going to stay there. Uh, so everything was laid out exactly as it should have, and then but I had to. The second you know. whammy that you had was the plants that you had had put aside weren't as big as they were supposed to be. Well, because, because of, COVID kicked off, it did, and I couldn't get all of my plants, and I couldn't mm. get the particular varieties that I wanted. I had to improvise or wait. And when I did get them, yes, tiny, tiny plants, and and that sort of wasn't a lot of fun. I do think I know it's cheaper to start off with small plants and in some with some certain plants that can be a good thing like mm. natives but I think if you can have more mature plants put into the ground and uh, providing that they can cope I think it's better because uh, I found the smaller plants a little bit hideous. Uh, you can literally well, step on them. And and that's right. And if you can't see the smaller plants, but you still improve the soil, mm. but you've got a weed bank there, then what can also happen is those little weeds turn into big weeds because yeah. they've suddenly got food. Mm. And if you can't keep up with it, they can actually be smothered. Mm. So maintenance is just a huge thing mm. in a garden. So mm. I think that that's what I factor when I uh, am planting now. Will I be able to keep up with it where it is? Mm. Yeah, got to think a little bit ahead mm. uh, rather than just acting too impulsively. Uh, absolutely. But I, yeah, certain elements of my garden some, and some things that were planted like a celestial blue, which was a salvia. It's a beautiful, strong salvia with a very unique form uh, of flower. And the flowers are, uh, you know, as the name suggests, a blue, but it just grew way too rampant, way too big. You saw it where it was so heavy, it opened up in the middle and it was weighted down. Well, I've cut that back now into really manageable little size. And if he's going to stay there, he will have to be kept on top of um, Mm. because he just got absolutely way too big for the position. So Mm. there's those sorts of things that do happen. There is trial and error. There are mistakes. And I think you you did such a good job improving your soil that... It probably grew on steroids. Grew, well, I was going yeah. to say on steroids, as distinct from a plant that is in in my sandy soil that mm. doesn't get all the love and would stay more compact. And I had a tree in a pot, an acacia fettuccine, and I had it in a pot for a number of years. Put it into the ground. Well, it the canopy has quadrupled. Wow! And so plants that were designed to be put underneath. And now getting too much shade, mm. you know. So you've got to re reinvent that now. So it's changed things. And tell us about the saga of the crepe myrtle. I have permission to get a new crepe myrtle. Ooh. I know. I spoke to council this week, and uh, yes, I, I have a crepe myrtle that is dying or died, and because it's a verge, you can't just go and pull it out. 
and replace it. Uh, so, and because the rest of the garden is done, and you have this tree that is, you know, you can't, you weren't allowed to take it out. Wasn't you weren't allowed to take allowed it to out. Replace it. You weren't allowed to cut it. Not allowed to do anything. And so, I have permission, uh, just waiting on that letter to arrive, that I can replace it myself at my own cost and put in my own uh, new crate myrtle. So I get to choose the colour and the size of the tree that will go into that into that space. So I'm pretty happy with that outcome. Well, but it I'm, took a bit of took a bit of Yeah, I'm glad that common sense prevails. Yes. And I'm sorry that you had to go through such a process. Well, I just you just seem to jump through hoops. It depends on the council that you mm. know where you live, doesn't it? But yeah. So uh it's it's not, nothing is ever easy or straightforward, but hey, that's that's life, right? We're in Les Murdy. Ellen, good morning. Hi, Alan. Ladies, look, a, a question just to clarify some information I got from friends about 30 years ago while I was playing golf, and that is growing potatoes. What they said is the way they do it is they get a tyre, fill up with soil, plant the seeds in it, and when the uh, top of the uh, potato comes up, they put another tyre on top, pull ah, that up. Yes. Is, and then they do that, I think, four times. And then at the, as soon as the top comes up on the fourth tyre, they then take all the tyres off and there's a mass of potatoes. Is that, would that work? That, that will work. But a couple of factors. Uh, initially, I heard that you, you keep adding straw, but I've certainly had better results adding soil or potting mix rather than straw. The potatoes grow much better in it. Uh, the second thing is I would be less inclined to do it in tyres these, day, uh, these days, Alan, because of what could be leaching out of tyres. So or ornamental uh, plants maybe, tyres and edible plants, yeah, I'm not so keen on that idea anymore. No, okay, you've won me. And uh, I think the next option is there's uh, sort of a, a bag for about $7 at the local supermarket, which sounds a lot easier. Absolutely. Can be, Ellen. <laughs> but yes, the idea of planting potatoes in, in a trench and mounting them up as they grow means that the potatoes actually form, because the plant itself will put roots out and the roots will swell and form the potatoes. I would also be adding uh, potato e-manure, and probably potting mix with slow-release fertiliser in it. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, and I'll let you get on with something else, and I appreciate your time. You're welcome, Thanks, Alan. Alan. Pleasure. Keep safe. And yeah. let's go to Butler. Say hello to Brian. Good morning. Yes, good morning, ladies. Morning. I have a uh, Panama Gold passion fruit vine, which is growing absolutely nuts, and it has heaps and heaps of passion fruits on it. My, and they're very big. My question is, many of those passion fruits are hiding behind all of the leaves. Now, will they ripen up on the vine hiding in those leaves? <laughs> I think they will. And I think you'll find when they do ripen, they will just drop to the ground. Oh, really? Mm. Yes. I've never grown the gold ones before. Um, do no. I have to wait for, them to, for the skin to be a bit soft? So when I squeeze them and then I know they're ripe? Or do I literally wait for them to fall on the ground? I well I if they're they've coloured and they're still hanging there, I would even pick them off and try them. Uh, yeah. I, I know with the purple ones they drop to the ground. I also haven't grown the Panama Gold, 
So right. I'm guessing, but I don't know about the squeezing them. I don't know that you're looking for them to go soft. We're, I'll come back to you about this, Brian. We'll see right. what we can find out after the break. Okay, well done. Thank you. Too okay. easy. Thanks, Brian. Cheers for that. Back shortly. And you're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. A couple of emails have popped in, Faye. <laughs> Okie doke, Ray, uh, from Leslie. Could you please advise what nutrients this creeper may be missing? It was looking great and had a real good crop of beautiful pink flowers, but since moving house three weeks ago, the yellow leaves have occurred. I mm. do do want to put into the garden, but sh- not sure just where yet. Your help would be much appreciated. Well, it is the Brazilian jasmine, and if it's been in this pot for a while and it's been moved, my thoughts are that it could have had roots going out of the bottom. So if when it's been moved, it's damaged the roots, that could trigger some of the leaves yellowing and falling off. Uh, Often with cold weather, some of the older leaves will yellow. If you are going to put it into the ground, then I would say maybe just for now, give it a light cutback. It will get bushier. Uh, If you're going to keep it into a pot, I would put it into a bigger pot with some good quality potting mix. So, And what's this, the Brazilian? The Brazilian jasmine. Okay. Um, Very easy to grow plant. They do grow very well in summer. They do like some sun. Uh, mm. And they will grow in full sun if they have enough root space and if they are well fed and watered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, lovely plants. And I think it would just be happier when it's out of that pot, either into the next size pot or into the ground. So that one's, I heard you say something about a Mandy Villa off air. Uh, mm. Did I? What mm. did I say? Mandy Villa. Oh, when this came in, mm. yes, Mandevilla variety. I see, because mm. my Mandevilla is yellowing, the leaves are yellowing, I think, because they are a, a tropical And plant. they will do that in the cold, yeah. and it's quite natural. Yeah. You know, conditions have changed. We had all yeah. that rain, so it might have got cold. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. The weather's changing. Yeah, yeah. and it's if the pot's been moved, the roots might have changed. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And there are quite a few varieties. There are bigger leaf varieties. Yeah. Same sort of family. They they don't really like the cold. So having them in a position where they get, you know, morning sunlight Sun. protection from wind cold and, wind. and rain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm. Now in regards to the the Panama gold, uh <laughs> Oh, here we go, John. Thanks, just John. Come in, slipping me bits of paper. The fruits, the ripest fruits, will simply drop off the vine, which is what I thought. Uh, simply give the fruit that is attached a gentle twist when picking from the vine, and you can tell. Like if you pick them up in your hand, sometimes the the ordinary passion fruits will just fall off in your hand. Mm. The other information I've got here is you know when the fruit is ripe, when the fruits are plump. And have a slight give and a fully coloured, so either dark purple or dark yellow, orange or red. Slightly wrinkled fruits are super ripe and will have a sweeter taste than smooth fruit skins. 
smooth-skinned fruits. <laughs> it's getting close to 10 o'clock, right? It Ray. sure is. I think we've had our garden fix for the morning. Okay. So do we know what's happening next week or is that too far We ahead? do. I think we're back on to native plants about an upcoming event and also step three of designing your garden, which yeah. is when you get to look at the actual plants. I mean, that's the best part, right? So oh. I'm looking forward to that with Lisa. Mm. Yeah, wonderful. All right. Inspiring, isn't it? So and I'm I'm loving the the step-by-step process because it's going through my head when I'm out in the garden. Yes. And what John's going to do after we've completed all the steps, he will compile them he will extract them from the podcast, put them all together oh, so wow. you can listen through the steps Again. all in one place. Fantastic. fantastic. Oh, John, where would we be without him? I know. And also the beautiful Jill Flores looking after us today as well. Uh, wishing everyone a very safe Easter. Now, I have two uh, gardenisms for the morning. One is not garden-related. It's life-related, but I also have one from you as well, Faye, to keep the gardening aspect <laughs> alive. Mine is we have two lives, and the second begins when we realise we actually only have one. Mm. Very d and I'm a bit like that. And uh, yours is we rescue plants trapped in the plant store. We're not hoarders, we are heroes. <laughs> That's right. Okay. George Minoldi is up next with the classic 60s and then it's Ray Finn till 3pm, followed by the lovely Dale Janes from 3 to 6pm. Great lineup for you for the rest of the day. Look after yourselves, have fun, enjoy this gorgeous weather. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.